When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners, Brian Siegler and Jonathan Talley. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast is presented by Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts at Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. If you love this podcast, if you love the Hokies and the town of Blacksburg, make sure you are supporting Main Street Pharmacy when you make your way to town. Whether you need prescriptions, a tube of toothpaste, or just want to stop to say hello, let Jeremy and his team take care of you. Money you spend at Main Street Pharmacy goes towards the things you support. The next time you're in Blacksburg, head on down to Main Street Pharmacy at 301 South Main Street. Fellas, how we doing tonight? How we feeling? Tally, I, I, I know how you're feeling because we got the Lakers game coming up. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous. He, he nervous the Lakers game coming up. The question is, is it on the television somewhere in the room now? No, I can't have it on the television. I'll be yelling. And we yeah, got a okay. special guest in the house tonight, so I ain't going to take no time and energy away from this man because he's putting in some work right now, and we ain't going to even worry about the Lakers. We just going to let it be what it's going to be. We're going to let it be what it's going to be. We got a big night ahead of us, y'all. Later on tonight, our buddy Coach Robbie Compton is going to join us, talk about the coaching clinic he attended down in Blacksburg a few weeks ago, along with a little spring preview or spring game preview, excuse me. But tonight, to start it off with, very special guest. So glad we got this young man on. Tamari Connor, 2018 Hokie commit from Trinity Christian Academy from Duval in Jacksonville, Florida. What do you say, Brian? Number one? Number one in your hearts, number one in the uh, in the program here. Number one everywhere. Yeah, and we welcome is. on tonight, Tamari Connor. Hey. Yeah, yeah. How's it going tonight, Jamar? You doing good, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Awesome. A pleasure to have you on. Um, first of all, we want to shout out, hey, thank you for taking the time out of your day. We know how busy you are right now. You, He was telling us on his uh, as we were getting him in here that he's been doing a ton of Zoom calls with a ton of teams from the NFL. So congrats on that. I'm going to shout out one more. <laughs> Travis, Travis Wells was nice enough to – help us out to get you on, man. And I'm going to shout out Travis. He's been really good to us over the past about nine months. Um, So shout out to him as well. But let's talk about you, man. I mean, Senior Bowl, Combine, had a great show in there, Pro Day, Zoom calls. 
where have you been training in preparation for all this stuff? Um, you know, after effectively, you know, the season ended back in uh, December. Um, well, for me, like as soon as the season ended, probably like early December, I went straight to um, Pensacola and started working with Exos at their facility. Then I worked there all the way through. So um, have you been working down there with any other Hokies or has it mostly been kind of you and a, a select group of other folks that got that uh, call down there? No, nah, it was just me um, as far as Virginia Tech, but it was um, a lot of different guys from different programs, a lot of uh, different uh, drive prospects. So it, it was it was fun working out with those guys. It was a great environment, um, very competitive environment. We just had fun every day and just kept working. Let me ask this: Who was the who was the player that down there that, that kind of pressed you the most um, during that course of that those trainings? Uh, pressed me the most, I say I say probably it's a corner from Purdue named Corey Trees. Uh, we we did a lot of competing against each other um, with the sprints and in the weight room, just a lot of different stuff. That's what's deal, up, man. man. I know you've been busy. We know you've been working hard. I guess, uh, you know, what I have to ask for you is, you know, during this, uh, during your your pre-draft workouts and stuff, what's been your main focus? And has that focus kind of changed with the different stages you've been going through? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely changed with the stages. At first, you know, it was all focused on getting ready for the 40-yard dash. Everything was focused on 40, 40, 40. So, um, after I ran the 40 at the combine, I kind of, I kind of stopped preparing for the 40 and just start, uh, again, trying to get prepared for, um, you know, real life football, not just the drills and things like that, but actually getting ready to go and play football. So like, well, we know you like to hit, we don't watch you play a long time. <laughs> we know you like to come downhill and hit, but you brought up the 40. Did you, did you run about what you, I mean, cause, but you ran a four or five, right? Yeah. Four or five. Did you run about what you think you was gonna run, or was you faster than you thought? No, nah, I ran. A, I ran about what I thought I was gonna run. I wanted to run in the like the high four fours. That's what I was hoping for. I didn't run it the whole time training, but I was just hoping for it. But this was um, four or five, low four or fives was about where I was where I was at the whole time. There you go. There you go. Good deal. Good deal. And I mean, throughout this process, I feel like the buzz around you has kind of grown a lot leading up to the draft and. It started out with that performance at the Senior Bowl. What was that week like for you? I, I know they have you going through a lot of different practices for a few days, and then you kind of get to the game. What, what was that like for you? Uh, that was a long week. That was a long time week, but it was fun. It was it was a fun week. Um, met a lot of great people. It was it was real fun to go out there and compete against all the guys around um, from different teams around the country. So that was great. But just being able to compete against guys and. And um, just go out there and show what I can do. Did it? Did it kind of remind you a little bit of like what it was like back in like um, like scouting camps when you were kind of getting recruited? Was it a similar type of energy, or was it was it a different level of uh, of energy there? Yeah, it was. It was kind of like that. I, I say the I say the combine was more more so like that, but okay. the senior bowl it was it was it was more it was more so just everything. Oh no! Just so busy, like you just had so much stuff going on. Well, let, let's talk about the combine a little bit because the combine, you know, over the last really five years, it's become a huge event. I mean, big event for fans. 
obviously it's always been a big event for the players out there attending it. And we know you ran the 40, but was that your favorite drill or was there something else there like that you felt like this shows people more of what I am as a player or my athleticism? Uh, now I say I say some of the position drills definitely was my favorite. Like the um I say like the 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 drill you pedal, flip, flip, then you like go to the post. Okay. I'd say that because that's like um I just I love like the deep ball drills, just showing that you can you can flip, you can move, you can um cover ground. So that was definitely my favorite one. Yeah, that's, and I like hearing that too because you know we we, we talk about the, the the thing so much about all running and the agility, but the reality is you still gotta know how to play football. You still yeah. gotta know like what you just said. Like you like a drill that like I have to do this in a game. Yeah. I'll have to flip my hips and I've got to locate where the ball is and go find it. I love hearing that because it tells me that for you it's more about ball than it is just about you know getting in great shape, which you always yeah. have been. Definitely. Definitely. And you mentioned a couple of different drills, just what, what you're talking to us about here. Um, looking at it on TV, of course, is much different than being there in person like you did. Uh, but how much time do you have like between your drills? And if you do have any time, uh, downtime, what were you doing with that downtime? Um, they they all kind of back to back. So it'll probably be it, it's like once you get to position drills, they all back to back. Like you have the 40, then once you move on, everything just back to back. But with the 40, I say after the 40, you probably had like 10 minutes, like probably like five, five to 10 minutes to get ready for the position drills. Then, but those are those are pretty much back to back. As soon as the last guy got done, we moved on. Too quick for so me. I'm so old and fat, man. I need some rest. <laughs> I need some rest. So, so they hitting y'all back to back. Yeah. So as soon as you get get through one drill, what, how many times did you go through? Usually, like what three times, three or four times. No, nah, we we just went through them once. It was some drills. Oh, you wow. had to go like down and back. But okay, okay. For most drills, it was just like you just go through one time. Okay. Oh wow, that's that's wild that it's just one time. It's like, all right, it's like you want to sit here like this is my I'm professional career. <laughs> one time is all you're gonna give me. Come on now. That, that's like, what okay. all that prep down there. In, uh, I, in I know, but I mean, about, right? dude, salute <laughs> yeah. to you on that. Like, man, you've you heard your whole life. You've heard your whole life. Do it right. Do it light. You do it there wrong you when you do it long. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I I got something to kind of pivot away from that for, um, but. Well, you know, you had quite a few position coaches during your time in Blacksburg, um, but most recently it was Pearson Prelude. And you know, you know, Coach Prelude, that's a guy of our youth, man. Me, Brian, and Tally coming up here, that was like the original DBU, man, when he was on those teams in the early '90s. What's something? And I mean, obviously, a 14-year career. Robbie's talked about him, but he's coming on later about how long he lasted. He was forever in the league. But what's something that you gained from that relationship that you feel like is going to help you on the next level? Um, I learned a lot from Coach P. Um, just not from this past year. Over the years, you know, he's been at Virginia Tech really since I really like since I got here, probably like 2019. He's been there. So uh, something I say definitely over this past year that he impacted me with is his energy. Like you never go see Coach P with a bad day. He always have his energy up. And that that uh really be helping the guys in our room just to just to show like we gotta we gotta bring the energy today. We always gotta 
be energized. I always got to be the guys talking on the defense and hyping everybody up. Man, I, I absolutely love hearing that, man. I love hearing that, you know, because sometimes, you know, every day you're not going to have your A game, but if you're bringing the energy, you're bringing the positivity, it shows it and it feels, you know, I'm sure not only amongst y'all's unit group, but like you said, the entire defense, man. I, I love hearing yeah. that. Yeah, and um, I remember we've had a couple guests on where we kind of talk about how coaches are on the field. And every time we ask about Coach P, it's always about the energy. That's that's the response yeah. we get from everybody. I'm glad to hear it coming from a player, not just from somebody that's observing practice. We awesome should. to hear. Um, let's 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 switch gears a little bit here. We're going to talk a little bit of the uh, the 2022 season with you. A little retrospect. Um, you know, compared to most of your career, where you kind of played that hybrid nickel last season, you were kind of used in a lot of new and different ways. You were off the line of scrimmage a little bit more uh, than you have been in the past. Occasionally, you were holding down the linebacker spot, um, depending on uh, you know some of the personnel that was deployed. Do you feel that allowed you to play to some of your different strengths that you hadn't been able to showcase previously? Um, yeah, I, I see it did. Um, just them letting me go back and play at that true safety spot. I wanted to go back and just show that I can play true safety instead of just me being a nickel. Like, I'm a DB, like a, a real versatile player that can play multiple spots, multiple positions. So, um, just me being able to show that. And initially going into the season, I wasn't even supposed to play nickel at all this year. So, what well, last year? So, we had a talk before the season, and coach ended up moving me back to nickel for our nickel package and I just I just took that and just and just uh bought all in with it. Yeah, well, and we could like, we could tell that for sure because I mean, you know, when we looked at the season, um, you know, the, the defense definitely was, was the steadiest unit on the team and and you know, definitely we can see your leadership shining through there. I know Tally's got something he wants to ask you next, so I'll let him go ahead here. Yeah, boy. Before we go to the next point, I want to I want to hit you with a little something, something that ain't ain't on the ain't on the ledger. Because we <laughs> again, we watch you play, man. We fans. We ain't just you know fair weather. Yeah. Do you talk a little trash? Because you can hit. You can hit pretty good. But most of the time, yeah. when I play with people who can hit like you hit, they talk. They some good trash talkers. And you from Florida? You talk some trash. Yeah, I talk. I talk a lot of trash. Yeah, I, knew it. I knew he did. I know we did. Holding it down a little bit. Like this past season, it hasn't been too bad. It's, it's really like when you talk to me first, then I talk now. But before, like when I first got here, I was starting everything. <laughs> I, I believe that. You know what? Look, watching you play, I, I thought that. I said, I got to ask you. But kind of going back to what we was talking about with the 2022 season, not quite the outcome that we anticipated or we wanted, but what we've seen as fans, you guys – stuck together, and you fought. You know what I'm saying? Every game, it seems like we was hanging in there. We was we was doing what we had to do, or you guys were doing what you had to do to hang in there. Kind of brought it together at the end of the um, at the end of the, the the season there at the Liberty game. What what did you and the other leaders on the team kind of do to keep the team together do, through those rough stretches? Um. I say we just tried to stay positive throughout the whole stretch. You know, it was it was real rough losing all those games back to back. So just us trying to stay positive, just trying to tell everybody to buy in with the team. You know, everybody pretty much was already bought in, so it wasn't it wasn't that hard to keep the guys together. 
but I I definitely say just make sure everybody stay positive, no matter how much um, we losing, just keep competing, keep coming back, trying again, and just trying to trying our best to get a dub. Yeah, one thing, like I said, as a fan, man, I didn't get to come to any games uh, this year, but I've been to a couple of games and got to see you guys in person. But watching it on TV, um, I guess you can kind of tell from a fan's perspective, you can tell like, oh, man, it looked like, you know, they, they gave up. They ain't got no fight. I didn't see very many plays and games where that team, especially the defensive unit, gave up or didn't have that fight. So yeah, uh, that's what, as a fan, like I said, that's what gets me optimistic about pretty much the groundwork that you guys laid down, the guys that's leaving uh, for the people that's coming in. So, man, we salute you for that, definitely. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely on that. And I know we were talking the last time I was in Lane Stadium, you were playing on the defensive side of the ball, shutting out Pitt in the rain for Bud Foster's last game um, yeah. back in 2019. And that rain field, you said you told us right before we were chatting it up, you were like, yeah, you got off the field. You were soaked that day. But yeah. y'all played a hell of a game. Um, let me ask this, though, kind of pivoting away. You've been busting your butt, obviously, grinding, getting ready for, you know, the draft upcoming here. And the Hokies have been in, you know, spring ball, something you went through, obviously, numerous years. Give me one thing you miss about spring ball and one thing you don't miss about spring ball. Um, Let me see. i say one thing I miss is probably probably just being in the locker room, being around all the guys, talking trash, playing around, whatever. Uh, definitely being around the team and being around the guys. Something that I don't miss – I'll probably have to say getting up for practice. But other than that, yeah, I say getting up for practice. You know, right now I'm kinda I'm kinda just getting up, working out every day just at my own pace. So definitely. Was, I, 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 were, were the winter workouts worse or was it the, the, the grind of the spring practice? No, nah, it's definitely winter workouts. <laughs> it's definitely workouts. Yeah. Noted. What was what was the worst part of winter workouts then for you? Um, was, it, was it just the getting up, or was it a, a specific drill or any any sort of thing y'all had to do? I see. I see the combination of it: getting up and get having to get up at six in the morning and doing all those drills in the cold indoor. Man, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you went through numerous spring practice during your time at Blacksburg. Um, Let's focus a little bit on the one from last year, though. Uh, what's something that Coach Pry put in place for the spring practice and and, and maybe even spring game last year that kind of you feel like helped you most um, that as you rolled into that twenty twenty two season? Um, I say the uh, the competition periods that we do like we do it, like before in the beginning of every practice we'll do competition periods. It is to be like one on ones. Wide receiver is DB, O line versus D line, or it'd be like angle tackling, and it just before every before every uh practice at the beginning, just just to start practice off, get practice going, just everybody do the competition periods, the offense versus defense, the loser got to do push ups. Yeah, that seemed up. like that was something that uh that, that Coach Pry put in. I know he that was like his emphasis, emphasis from day one, right? Talking yeah, about getting he, more competitive. It kind of started in winter workouts and it, and it fed over into spring practice, right? Yep. 
just competition. It was real fun though. Definitely those one on ones just get practice going, had a whole team hype. So yeah, that was real fun. I know somebody that likes to talk trash really enjoys the, the competition piece. So I, I bet I bet you were thriving <laughs> yeah. in that environment, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Man, we know you're busy. We appreciate you definitely for coming out and spending some time with us. But um, I gotta ask, man. I know you're getting ready for the draft. Are you gonna be in town in Blacksburg for the spring game? Oh yes, sir. I'm gonna be at the spring game. I'll probably be oh, there like a couple days after the spring game. But yeah, I'll definitely be there. Okay, cool. Uh, two, two in the. Two out of the three will be there. Me and Brian will be there. Curtis has some uh, some family duties he got to take it, take care of. So, man, I'd love to, to get up with you and meet you, man. Shake your hand. All I ask for for a picture. I ain't going to be a super fan. You know what I'm saying? I just want to take a picture. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, Jamar, is there anybody – I mean, obviously you mentioned the gym you worked out in Pensacola. So, is anybody you want to give a shout-out to, you know – Friends, family, coach, businesses. Anybody you want to give a shout out to before we wrap it up here tonight? Um, I I just give a shout out to everybody that helped me along this journey. All my coaches, all my uh, friends, family. Um, just shout out to those people, and that's pretty much it. Good that's deal, man. Up, Good brother. deal. Always keep being you, man. Keep being you. Yeah, yes, keep sir. being you. Best of luck to you with the draft. I know we'll be anxiously. Yeah, about Not two much and a half weeks. Two, two and a half weeks. It is two yeah. and a half weeks. I mean, it's almost May. But best of luck to you on that and all your future endeavors. You know, hopefully these two guys will get to meet you. Like they said, I got family duties I got to take care of on spring game weekend. I wish I could be there. In the near future, I will be there. And like Tally said, I look forward to that time. It's shaking your hand, meeting you, chatting it up a little bit with you. So, listen, take care of yourself. You know, if you ever, you know, Hit us up if you want to. I know you got Brian's number there. And uh, best of luck to you in the future, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. All right. We appreciate, appreciate you, it, brother. Jamar. You have a good one. Take best care, of luck. All right. Thank you. All right. Again, we appreciate you, Mark Connor, coming on with us tonight. Now, before we get into more details, because we got a lot more to unload, we are going to pay some bills and take a quick pause from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. Well, that was fun, y'all. That was a good yep. time. Yep. That was a good you time. See, you see what color he was wearing, didn't you? <laughs> you ain't even got orange on. We gotta, we gotta get him. A, where your, where's his orange boundary corner podcast T-shirt at? That's all right. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get all the orange I need when I get up there this weekend. I promise you that. I promise you, I'm gonna get all the orange I need when I get my ass up there this weekend. Good deal. Um, let's do it real quick, Brian. Shout it out before we bring Robbie on. Brian and Tally, along with some other. Pokey podcasters will be at – y'all have to tell me who. I think I know who, but I don't want to miss somebody. So, Brian, who's going to be all there on Saturday? All right, so, we got we got Dan from the Terror Dome podcast, Tales from the Terror Dome. We got uh, Billy Ray and Pat, Sons of Saturday. Uh, the, the orchestrator of this whole uh, shebang, though, is uh, Pete from 2D. Peter. So, 
yeah so sh- shout out to all those guys for um kind of putting this together again pete was kind of the spearhead of this and uh mm-hmm. you know we kind of put it together got, got got a good little rundown um for what we're going to put together for you guys on saturday it's going to be at sharky's 11 15 uh be there it's going to be uh broadcast over the pa in the bar there we're gonna have a table set up probably gonna have a little little time where we might be able to bring a, a person here there on so if you want to stop by have a listen get some wings get some ribs get some burgers you see what curtis did double it right. doubled it listen <laughs> hey i know i ain't lo- known you as long as curtis but I'm going to tell you right now, if you think you're going to be on that Evan. No, I'm he's sorry. not. I'm well, we've, we've already had the conversation. I ain't wasting my Sunday to come get him out of Blacksburg so his wife don't come kill on, him. Guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> I know everybody that, every, everybody that watched the state of the program knows what we're talking about. But that's a once a year type hands. deal. Well, I, I usually take hands. a fifth out in, in three hours, but once a year. Oh, I'm going ahead and add Robbie in now because Robbie's seen you also at your best doing something like that. Uh oh, there he come. See what color yeah. he got on too. Go, Robbie. The uh, that 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 stated program night was was quite entertaining from my perspective. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun, Robbie probably hadn't seen me like that in a good minute. If we be honest, it's been a couple of years. Quite a few. Was it? Was it probably your wedding? It probably was. It probably was. His I, don't, I don't know how anybody got into any kind of shape at my wedding because you could spread <laughs> it out faster than you could put it in. That's true. <laughs> it is still to this day the hottest day on record in Virginia. <laughs> with a heat index of 119. I swear it's something about weddings in Virginia Beach because we got married in Virginia Beach too, and it was the Ooh. hottest day of that year. The AC went the out AC in the reception area. Wedding. Oh, yeah. the everybody everybody was you. taking the, the napkins that we had for the tables, and they were, like, using, like, sweat rags. Yeah, the Lord be trying to man. warn you when you get married, your wife's going to put you in that put you in that <laughs> heat box if you start acting crazy. You got to get your mind right. And not so, so much the wife, it's the kids, too. True. I did not drink Evan on my wedding night, so and, and I'm sure my wife is thankful for that. I know she is. Well, look, we brought Robbie on. No intro. Just bring him on because we were talking and having fun. And what get were we supposed to be talking about? Okay. Well, Robbie Compton, Coach Robbie Compton, longtime friend of me and Brian, coaching up at North Wilkes for the Vikings. He's got he's in the, he's he is in, y'all. He is in the locker room there. So he's got the deal in the he's got, got the, the, got the jersey in the background the there. Jersey, man. got yeah. his got his high schools. Go ahead and show the shirt. That's a cool shirt y'all got there. We are the Vikings. That's cool. The Vikings down there. But just a few short weeks ago, um, Robbie got a chance to go down to the coaching clinic that we all saw a bunch of videos from. We heard about. We saw them promoting it. And he's going to not only talk what what he observed down there, because this is the first time that you have got to meet the new staff. I know we know you have relationships all within that staff. But uh, to be back in Blacksburg, you and Coach uh, Wateki went down there with you, your head coach yeah. there with you. And I'm going to start off this because one too long ago when, when Joe Rudolph left, you said it aloud, Coach Crook. You yeah. said it. Keep your eye on Coach Crook. And, and like I said, we know you have a history. We know you know Derek Jones. We know you know Stu Holt, um, Fontel, 
right? Yeah. But Coach Mines was a wide receiver coach at East Carolina when, when, while I was there. Yeah. Four or five blocks away, Greenville. Um, coach Jones was at Duke and recruited some of our players out there. Um, coach Price, I've, I've known for a few years when he was at JMU, he recruited a couple of our guys um, when I was coaching in Virginia. So, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm right here in Coach Holt's backyard where he grew up and where his dad coached for years. I, I spent most of the clinic talking to his dad with meals and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> just kind of hanging out with, with Coach Holt. He faced off against him a time or two when he was at uh, Rocky Mount. Yep. So we've had some I've, – I've got a few connections in that crowd, I guess. Yes, you do. But <laughs> I, I get this feeling that your coach, your, your closest relationship maybe with Coach Crook. Um, you know, first of all, give us a little bit of the history um, between you, you know, how you got to know Coach Crook and how long. Because, again, when you threw that name out, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't know who it was. I quickly looked up and you saw his track record. He's like, okay. Um, but give us your history and kind of your relationship with him for all these um, years. I'm, I met Coach Crook through uh, my head coach, the, the guy that I've worked with for the last 14 years, uh, David Wotecki. Um, Coach Wotecki actually played for Coach Crook at Glenville State College. It's Glenville State University now. But um, Coach Crook at one point was at uh, a smaller school, Clarion, in Pennsylvania, I think it was, and recruited him. And um, they ended up going to Glenville State, and they brought his recruitment with them to Glenville State, brought him in there. So he played with Coach Crook. And uh, Coach Rosero, who's actually a Wake Forest right now, those were his head coach and offensive line coach when he played there at Glenville State for a couple of years. And, you know, smaller schools like that with bigger coaches, they tend to come in and go. And he, he played with he played with a few guys that, that I've made some connections with going to different clinics and stuff, which is exactly how I met Coach Crook. Um, at the time, Coach Crook was at, the first time I met him, I think Coach Crook was at Harvard or may have been Stanford. And uh, he was coaching tight ends at Stanford or offensive line tight ends at Harvard. Um, he ended up going to Cincinnati. And, you know, we just – every time we'd run across him at a, at a clinic or or Coach Woe would call him and ask him some questions about different things offensive line-wise, run things by him. I mean, he's always been there to help with anything we needed. Um, so, I mean, that's just, it's just a, I'll run across him here and there, you know, coach will call him every now and then and, and give some advice. And he's always been very open to, to helping anybody. Um, especially when it comes to, to that offensive line game. I mean, he loves it, man. It, it, it's what he does. And it's, it's shown throughout his career. Um, and the, the big thing I knew when, when I told you guys to watch out for him, I knew he had fit into that program. I knew he and Coach Pry had, as Coach Pry said, uh, had kicked some of the same dirt around in West Virginia um, and, and some areas up there in, in the Northeast. So he, he, he had that connection with a lot of folks, and I knew it was a good possibility, especially with the, the type of game that he coaches and how he does things. Did, did you did you think 
like based on what you saw as what they were reverting to near the end of last season offensively, is that another reason you thought him too? Because obviously when he was at Cincy, Brian's mentioned it, you mentioned it, they run a lot of split zone and as as their as what Coach Bowen is probably going to, it's gonna be a lot of elements of that. That is that that's a that's something that I think he's excelled at for many years. Um running the the, the zone. Um his blocking schemes and things are very zone oriented. Our offense is built off of the same principles that Coach Crook is going to teach at Virginia Tech. Um, we've been running them for years. That's what what Techie believes in because he learned it there. And I mean, it, it's. I think it's going to fit well. It's going to help. Um, and you're going to see a vast improvement, I think, in the run game because, as we know, that RPO is run pass option. If you can't run or you can't pass, the option ain't very good. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, uh, Robbie, I want to go a little bit off. I want to go a little bit off of, off of uh, what we got playing. I want to ask you something. All right. I'm just looking at you, man. You know, this is my first time. I done seen you tweet a little <laughs> bit. I done seen you put some stuff in the in the chat a little bit. This is my first time getting to talk to you face to face. I'm trying to figure out what kind of coach you are, just yourself. Because, like, when you go to church – you have those pastors that teach. They'll open the Bible and they'll go, you know, this is John 3.16 and for God so love the world. And then they'll teach it to you. Then you got the other type pastors that they we call them in the black community, we call them hoopers. That's the one that's, and Lord, uh, we going to get this thing right. You know, so putting that into the football world, do you think you're more of a, a teacher or a hooper? That's what I, I want to know. I'm, I'm going to put it this way. I'm, I'm a few days away from turning 40. I've been saying I've, I've done this for going on 20 seasons now. I used to be a hooper. <laughs> I'm gradually turning into that teacher. So, uh, so going, back to, going back to talking about Coach, Coach Crook, what kind of coach do you feel like he is? He, he's, he's – the guys are going – the guys are going to love his, his personality, the way he does things. Um, he takes a great interest in all of the guys. Um, he's going to teach them, and and um, he he's just. I, I'll never forget. Coach Wood told us this one time, and we were talking to him about it the other week when we were there. One of the greatest things that he talked about. He and and Coach Crook said, "I don't have any idea what point I was proving with that." He said, "But I do remember saying it." He, Something was going on, and he just stopped everybody. He says, two things, boys. You don't mess with me. He said, my sandals and meatloaf. And when I, I'm just saying, Brian knows what I'm talking about with meatloaf. I'm not talking about the, the ground beef dinner product. We're talking about the man, the myth, the legend, and the musician that is meatloaf. And basically, I mean, he's just uh, okay. he's a coaches. He's a player's kind of coach. But he's not going to take any mess, and, and they're going to do it right, and it's going to be taught well. It's going to be taught sound, and I think the guys are really good. It, already, I think the guys already really like him and understand what he's going for, and now with Coach Davis coming in there to help some too, he he's doing a lot of things that, um, like Coach Woe said, you, you can already see some of the things that Coach Davis is, is talking about. Crook's kind of taking some of those and going, well, that's a little different than I've always done, but it'll work. 
So he's going to adapt things. He's going to find what works. And uh, I think you're going to see a, nothing against Coach Rudolph, but I think you're going to see a big improvement on on the product on the field simply because some of these guys may be a little more comfortable in what's going on and the schemes may fit a little better. Yeah, I think we've observed that last year just looking at you kind of had Brad Glenn that it came from a very quarterback rush-heavy background between Georgia State, App State. You had what Bowen had been doing with the more uh, Joe Moorhead-style RPOs, and then you had Joe Rudolph, very much a kind of ground-and-pound pro-style smash-mouth offense. Yeah, and I, it seemed like sometimes like those philosophies were competing with each other at points last year, and it didn't really seem like we could get into that kind of flow. And when I was looking at it, I kind of was like, you know, this this might be something that on paper looked good. Okay, you got Brad Glenn, experienced offensive coordinator at the G five level. You got Joe Rudolph coming in, experienced offensive coordinator at the Power Five level in Wisconsin, kind of helping Bowen work into being a full-time power five offensive coordinator, but it ended up just being too many cooks in the kitchen. And sometimes things that just didn't always mesh well uh, as it was kind of coming out in the wash. And I feel like we, you know, we talked a lot about the staff kind of getting shuffled around and I feel like ultimately it's, it's a addition by subtraction in some ways where you kind of move, you know, your, a guy that you already have on staff that's coached tight ends before back to that position, you get Bowen in there in a new spot where he's comfortable with because he's going to be the uh, engine of the offense from a coaching standpoint, whereas the quarterback would be that you know on the field. And then you bring in a guy with experience like Crook. I mean, I feel like you know again we may have some addition by subtraction there in terms of you know what what we were doing last year. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like, especially. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to get the greatest look this uh, this Saturday. We'll talk about that more in a little bit here. Um, uh, don't get him started. Oh, they oh they, oh, it's coming. They're going to get me started. They already got me. St- <laughs> These two got me started last night. We chatted for a few minutes. They got me started already. I, I will say, and I mean, just that it was never fully stated, but um, in, in talking to some of the guys and hearing some of them talk, the whole thing. In switching offensive line uh, coaches and, and things like that, there was never a bad thing said about Coach Rudolph. I mean, they were all they all praised him and, and the great things he did and and what he did for the program and and helped out. It's a but it almost seems like they're excited about going in the direction that they're going with Coach Crook and, and changing some things up a little bit and being a little more productive in the style that they want to to play. And um, I think that's going to be big for, for the future. So, I mean, like they said, he, he's going on to, to Notre Dame and they're going to put together more of, of what he's used to the, the big six, five, 330 pound road, greater offensive lineman. And I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see the Hokies go back to, a little bit more zone, a little bit quicker um, offensive lineman. Because I know, I know Crook. He's always said his when he looks at at high school kids coming in to play offensive line, he likes the guards that wrestled and the tackles that play basketball. 
he likes those athletic feet, the way they move hips. Um, he, he's gonna he's gonna build double teams, and you know, you don't have to be a three hundred and thirty pound man squatting seven eight hundred pounds to move when you got two of them there. That's and they're going to use those double teams and really do some things. And uh, it's going to be – I think I think they're going to be successful with it. I really do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you know, what differences are. I know we'll probably get a little bit of a look at that at this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, again, seeing how the line kind of meshes. I feel like there were points last year where, you know, we were one or two blocks away from things looking the way they needed to to kind of break – break something to make something happen on offense. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing if, if, if shifts in scheme shifts in philosophy of the coach are, are, are what can kind of put those pieces together for that unit. And that, that's, that's what Crook has been saying is um, coach Crook's been saying, you know, we got to find the five that can, they can do everything the best together. You know, it's all, you always got to find the five best ones, but when it comes to that offensive line group, they've got to be able to work together. The five of them have to be able to work together. And if the five yeah. best ones are the five best ones working together, then that's what it's going to be. Yeah. But it, he's got to find them going together. Well, what I loved that first interview, he said gel. Yeah. It's like they got to gel. And that mean, because sometimes you hear, and, and y'all, Robbie's coach, again, Tally's played, Robbie, you've coached and played. A lot of times you hear them, I just want my five best. Well, sometimes your five best may not work together the best. But if you could have five guys who were, like I mentioned last week, like, I know when he goes up, his punch is going to be here. I can get my guy and turn him, and he's getting up to second level. Versus, all right, his punch, I don't know where it's coming. I don't know. You know, sometimes he punches high, sometimes. But when I heard him say gel, it immediately makes me think. It, it, it doesn't shock me he's got the Moore brothers next together. He doesn't shock me right there. Doesn't shock me that they're together. He's but excited this, about that. Please. Oh, oh. Okay, well, hold on to that because we're going to get into the preview here and you can talk about what he's excited for. But um, that 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 really caught my eye. Now, Robbie, let's let's hit on a few other subjects here. Um, All right. <clears throat> Brian, I'm going to let you go. We know you didn't miss it, Robbie, because I know I shared it with you. But in case uh-huh. you hadn't seen, let it roll, Mr. Siegler. Well, screen time. I want you to make yourself at home and be comfortable with our staff and our speakers. Don't be afraid to ask questions, to interject. We want you to do that. Well, it's, it's always been a special place, and I think there's a connection when you meet these coaches, just family. Who is that guy? Who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> that's Coach <Coastal Becky. laughs> No, nah, that's, that's Robbie. What about Cump. that one? What about that one right there? Yeah, that, that, that's his fat little buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to, I got to meet Coach Pry. Um, well, tell the story, because maybe ten minutes after we got there, if it was that much, we came in and uh, we went through our registration. And as soon as we registered, Coach Crook grabbed both of us and was like, "Come on, guys, you gotta, you gotta go meet Coach Pry." He said, uh, "He said I've been telling him about you guys and um, that you guys are coming." And um, so, I mean, he took us right back there. The the hand in the side there, right in front of Coach Wateki, that's a uh, that's Coach Crook. He was standing right there with us. He took us right back right. there. I mean, we had barely even registered, and, and he took us right back. 
And like he said, we they had that connection. Um, Coach Wataki playing at Glenville. Uh, Coach Pry's mother had either gone to Glenville or taught at Glenville. I can't remember what he said. Um, but they had that connection. And that's when he was telling us, he goes, you know, he said, I was excited to meet you, Coach. And, and he said, that from what I understand, we've all kicked some of the same dirt. And I, I kind of like that saying. I'm going to keep that one. I'm going to borrow it from him a little bit. But uh, he was very down to earth. I mean, a, a great dude. He, he, anything we needed, he said, feel free. Go anywhere you want and, and call us if you need anything. He gave us all his phone number and everything. So if, if there's anything we need, he said he was ready to give us whatever we he could do to help us. Um, it was very much like the last time or two that I went to Virginia Tech, and and that was before the last regime was there. Um, the last game I went to, I think, was Beamer's last season. Uh, we were we were actually Coach Wateki and I went. We were actually guests of. Um, we went with our basketball coach at the time. We were guests of Coach Greenberg's, and we were in a box with uh, Bruce Smith. Uh, that's a big human being, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I don't advise a Virginia Tech game from a box. You don't get that same feeling. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was more than uh, it, it was more than generous to have me there for that. But I think I'll take my chances down in the crowd and and enjoying the the loudness. It was a little quiet, a little too quiet in that box for me. But what we're talking about, you know, listening to Robbie talk, man, and um, I know a lot of us fans and 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 Twitter users, we 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 do a lot of talking about, you know, well, why are we doing this? What does this mean? Why you do this? Uh, why are the staff doing this and things like that? But when you hear a coach talks about, oh, he remembered us. He we've ran into him a couple of times talking about Coach Crook. He remembered us and he took us straight to the head coach. And okay. then the head coach reciprocates what you've already heard from the coach that you know. That's a relationship. You know, and 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 people that do what Robbie does. Now I'm I'm in sales and we read people too, but that those coaching networks, I went to school to be a a physical education and special education teacher. Uh, and so a lot of my in football, you know, baseball, basketball, all that stuff, those networks are very, very close, you know, Absolutely. and those people can tell when that stuff is real and when it's just fabricated. So to hear somebody, you know, gives a, give us an inside look of what you've been going through and what you've seen. And then again, everybody watching this, the man say it, his last game that he was there, or the last time him and his coach was there, was when Beamer was there. Man, we went some years. Well, we've been missing some people. We've been missing some schools. And it ain't just going to come overnight because certain schools may have a four-star athlete that can make a difference at your program once every 10 years. But if you ain't checking in with them people every year, you're going to miss that player. And that's what we've been doing. You know, why, why, why are we going now? Why does he know them? Or why is he shaking hands with them? Because you, they may not have somebody at their school. They may say, hey, coach, we played this kid. And Robbie can tell us this. Hey, we played this kid at Bumfuck, and he's the best I've ever seen. Y'all need to go check him out. 
You know, now, I know that we got, we got some players that may be going to JMU, or we may have some players that's going to you know Norfolk State. But we played this kid, and he he's a Virginia Tech player. He's a Power Five player. So those coaching networks is what I feel like the staff has been trying to build. Yep. Uh, and, and, and fans get so impatient. Even myself, you get so impatient because you're thinking like. Oh, he's in our backyard. We should get him. It don't work like that. It just don't. Our product hadn't been where we've done that, and we don't have the relationships to to say, hey, we deserve this this four star, five star kid. So again, that's just a little bit of a rant. But I'll let Robbie go back and kind of touch on now, that a little bit. Well, as well, I'll say this too: you can't be a mid or worse program and not have relationships in your backyard. You can't. Uh-huh. Like if if you if you if you don't build those relationships like you need to, you better damn well be an NFL factory and putting up ten wins every year. And we haven't been that program. Nope. So yeah. that that's kind of where it starts. I mean, I I know Robbie can speak to this because he coached uh, there as well. But you know, looking at the county next door to where we grew up, and about every four or five years, stud, there was a stud or two kind of uh-huh. coming out of that area. And I don't think in, in the recent years we've been in the GWs or the Dan Rivers or the Martinsvilles or the EC Glasses. Nope. Um, so, I mean, you can't just say, okay, well, well, they only give us a decent player every four or five years and ignore them until that guy pops. Right. You can't do it. Don't just work like that way. Said. And that's the thing. Like, I, and this, this is not anything against our guys here. We have nothing to offer Virginia Tech. I don't. I don't have a player on that roster anywhere that can play there. I don't. But that relationship and those things, like if I've got a kid at the, if there's a kid at the school, you know, next door to us that I think can play at that level, I'll call a coach about that kid because, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, I'll promote our kids, but I'm about promoting kids to the next level. Right. I don't exactly. care if they're in my school or the next school. Yes, that's sir. what some people don't get. Like some some people outside of coaching don't understand that concept. Like I prom- we had when I was in Greenville, we had our biggest rival. You know, teams would come there and be like, hey, we're looking for a tight end. We don't run a tight end. But this school over here and that school over there, they both have really good tight ends. You might want to go check out. Uh, I mean, I have again. We're building a relationship with a coach right here, and because we're we're into the same thing, we're into helping kids advance. It's not about what I can provide for him, for my players, because my players right now can't go there. Now, my players five years ago, I might could have sent them a couple, right? But here, we're not there yet. We're we're rebuilding the program, and and we're coming into things <clears throat> here. Um, for all intents and purposes, three years, and we've we've now put we put together a, a two and five season in the shortened spring. We put together a three and seven season the first year I was here full time, and then last year we went seven and three. And you went to the playoffs. Yeah, went and you went playoffs. to the playoffs. Yeah, man, that sounds like a Virginia Tech trajectory to me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm thinking. But we went from nobody going to college to play. To one kid, and then this past year we're going to send three to play. That's all. Awesome. That's what's up. That's what's up. Division two player, but I mean, free education just, for the kids, man. 
Yeah. People, I, I just like again, man, Robbie, you don't understand it. So, like I said, I'm, I'm just happy to meet you, man. I, I feel like I've met you, but I'm happy <laughs> I'm finally getting to talk to you and to hear a perspective of somebody who is doing this, you know, because we sit around and we talk about it all day. Or we sit oh, around yeah. and we tweet about it all day, but to hear the perspective of somebody who is in this field, who is doing this, who sees this, this is what their lifestyle is. This is what their livelihood is. It just it's good, man. It's good to hear. Um, again, switching, you know, pivoting a little bit. We've talked about Pry. We've talked about Crook. We know you've got a long relationship with him. So you can't give us can't give us anything on them. Other um other staff members, other coaches that impressed you at the clinic. Who you got? Um yeah. Coach Bowen was was I didn't get to sit down and listen to him speak. Uh, coach will take it. I'm a defensive coordinator. I stuck a little bit more to the defensive side of the ball. I listened to some of the offensive stuff when I got a chance here and there. Um, I listened to Coach Crook talk and some things like that. Um, but just talking to Coach Bowen, that you know, he, he's got he's got kind of that Mad Hatter feel that I used to get when I talked to Coach Leach. Mm. <laughs> um, he, he's He's very intelligent. He's very um, very on top of the game and, and being able to be creative and, and do some things and, and think about things in a little bit different light. And I got the feeling him going to that quarterback room, he's going to be able to relay that through the person that's going to make that offense run a little bit better than he may, ha than he may have been from a different position last year. I, I think that's going to be a big thing. And um, uh, Mr. Connor talked about it earlier. Uh, Coach Prelude, man, that man is a spark plug. <laughs> Meetings on the practice field, everywhere. I mean, he's just – he's a high-intensity, high-energy dude. And, I mean, I, I, I knew who he was. I'd watched him play. He was one of my favorite players when I was younger watching these teams. But – to meet him and to get to to see him in action and coaching was very impressive. Um, some of the other guys I, I knew, um, Coach, uh, uh, but Coach, Jim. yeah, his you know his concepts and the things that he does is, is nothing new to me. I got to see those things in, in, in a whole new light, and. Um, that was pretty cool to see again. It kind of reinvigorates me as a coach in a time where I kind of need to push forward a little bit um, because here we have a much smaller school. Football is a thing that we start again really during the summer. We don't get a lot of work in during the spring because, you know, with, with 500 kids at the school, all of our athletes are playing other sports every season. Right. Yeah. So it's hard to bring them in and do our spring stuff here. Um, we're trying, we're doing some things, we're getting some younger kids out doing things, but the ones we're counting on the most are, are playing baseball and running track and, and doing things like that, which we'll never ask them not to do. Right. Well, you're doing so, something, right? You say you went from what, three and three and eight to seven and three or something three, like that, right? Seven and three. Yeah, so you're doing something, right? You're keeping them, you, you're keeping it together. So keep we're doing trying. what you're doing. That's what I say. Well, well, Robbie, hold on. You just mentioned something. You didn't go to the offensive meetings, 
So did you go talk to Chris and sit in with Coach Marv? Uh, I did hear Co Coach Marv spoke. At, the way they did it, they split it up. At the very beginning, you got to hear Coach Foster, which was awesome. I, I talked to him before, um, and I had a couple of kids that I coached in Virginia that they went to Virginia Tech. Um, one stayed there for several years and then transferred to Winston-Salem State. He was he was a wide receiver, and then I had a linebacker that actually played for Coach Foster, and then for for some other reasons, he moved on to Morgan State. Um, so I I'd met Coach Foster and talked to him before. Um, I had a really good relationship with the old defensive line coach there. Um, you still got so, a relationship with Charlie? Yeah, still do. <laughs> we I know. Still I, talk, I know um, you talked to Charlie. Um, we um. But Coach Price, I had that same relationship because he would be at he would be at camps and things that I've been to. He recruited that area when he was at JMU. Um, but going back to the clinic, the you talk to those guys first. Those guys spoke first, uh, Coach Foster and Coach Davis, and then it split off. Offensive coordinator spoke in one room, and defensive coordinator spoke in the other room. And so I went to the defensive coordinator room and, and, and listen to Coach Marr. That's another high-energy individual now. And he is he is focused on being more high-energy, being more violent and – well, not violent, but, you know, attacking <laughs> better and, and getting more pressure and things like that. That was, a, that was a big thing throughout the entire defensive part of the clinic is they talked about pressure and, and attacking and being physical and violent with their arms and attacking things, things that I'd always heard Coach Foster talk about. So you can tell that his – Coach Foster's presence is still there or definitely coming back, and, and they're really pushing some things in those, in those ways. I mean – what three of those three or four of those coaches played for Coach Foster at some uh -huh. point? Yep. I mean, um, Adibi, Prelude, Price, Price, uh, Winslow, Winslow, Winslow played and, for him. Uh, Coach Pry was there as a GA. Yeah. At that time, so I mean, you've got connections to that, and I think you're going to see more of that physical disruption type defense. And it's really going to pick up the pace. I thought they played fairly well for the most part last year, but it's going to be even. You're going to see even more this year, especially with some of the athleticism I saw from some of those guys over there. I can't wait to talk uh, about that in a few minutes here. Offensively, I snuck into to a few things and heard some things, um, but I, I I kind of stuck to defense a lot of it to see if I could I could draw something that I could use from for drills and things in practice. Uh, even though I run a slightly different defense than what they do, some drill work will still still translate by position. So I can do those types of things. What are you running now, Robbie? We run a three-three, a stack three-three. If you've ever if you've watched NC State play in the last couple of years with Coach Gibson, uh, that's it. <laughs> that that's what I run. That's where I've gotten a lot of information from from Coach Gibson. He's been a great dude for me. Um, he, he's given me a lot of things. He's helped me out a lot. That comes with that connection I had from Virginia Tech before. And, and 
and uh, Coach Wiles. So uh, I still keep that connection. We use a lot of those things. But I, I got two or three drills that we're going to use this summer and this, this fall out of that Virginia Tech uh, chalk talk there. Um, a lot of it is about pressure and, and angles and things like that. So uh, we're, we're definitely going to use some of it. I got a lot of good stuff out of that. Right. Yeah, oh. If you're going to do anything with that 3-3 stack, you're going to get some pressure with it. So That's my plan. <laughs> the good, it's A lot of people look at it. They're like, oh, well, you don't, you know, this is a, they run a 4-3, they run a 3-4. Bottom line is, when you look at the offensive front, there's six gaps you got to cover. You, I, you're going to cover it with three linemen and four linebackers. I'm going to cover it with four linebackers and, and and three linemen, maybe five linebackers and three linemen. It, it's still the same game. It's just a matter of who's lining up with. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, and a lot of it is just plugging the guys that you know their body type and how they play in the right places. And, I mean, they run that 4-2, four, 4-3, four, however you want to look at it. We just have three down linemen. This year we're going to look a lot more like a 5-3 than we were a 3-5. I mean, it's just the type of kids that I have around right now. So, I mean, it's not going to – the game's the game. Defensively, find the ball, tackle the ball. <laughs> Where you lined up to start with doesn't really matter. <clears throat> So. As long as you know where you're going, where you start doesn't really matter a whole lot. As long as the head don't confuse the feet, right? <laughs> yeah. And that what that Coach Foster used to say all the time, like his head is talking to his feet way too much. Yeah. I gotta yeah. get the head to shut up. Yeah, you you don't want the head talking much on that defensive side. <laughs> all you want the head saying is ball, ball, first of all. And then when you find it, there it hit. is. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's kind of wrap the clinic with up the clinic with this man because obviously you had a good time you got to meet all these guys. What was did anybody surprise you? Like because you got to meet not only all the coaches, you got to meet sports staff. I'm assuming trainers. Did anybody like surprise you to where you think either like what they're doing? Like okay, they're going to be in a coaching role soon or something like that. Just um. You've got you've got those you've got the younger coaches, the analysts, the GA type kids, um, stuff like that. You can tell they're soaking in everything they can get. Um, with a DB, I mean, I, I watched play. I think he's I think he's working his way to a to a prominent role. I'd love to say it would be staying at Virginia Tech, um, but he's gonna he's gonna have an opportunity at some point. I think, and watching him at practice and, and learning things, he's going to have an opportunity to 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 step up within the next couple of years. I think he's going to be one. Um, it, it's it's hard to say. The thing that blew my mind the most is how much recruiting has changed, and like it changes every year. But what they're trying to, what they're doing there is they're trying to stay within six hours of Blacksburg. And they're trying to bring everything they can in from the state of Virginia and then anywhere six hours from there. They're not trying to go to Texas, to California, 
Now, if there's kids out there, you know, legacy kids or somebody like that that, that come to them and it's worth seeing, they're going to see them. But they're, they're going to put the feet on the ground. They're going to put the coaches in the schools. And they're going to they're gonna do those things in Virginia, North Carolina. Um, I mean, you have parts of West Virginia. You have parts of Maryland, things like that, that you have coaches that have good experience and, and good relationships with there. But they're going to they're gonna build that base within that time period of there. And one thing they talked about is, you know, we can get kids here and their parents can be here week in and week out to watch them play. We can build relationships with families. Yep. We can build relationships with schools. It's places we can get into and we can cover as many schools as possible in, you know, in a shorter period of time. And, and that's what they're doing. It, it, it's a great thing. Yeah, it's a uh... – I think we talked about it maybe the last, I don't know if we maybe in our production meeting or maybe last show we talked about just players. When you have players that are local talent or, you know, close to local talent and they go somewhere close. Um, again, I talked about my son. We hear about, he, he's a baseball player. We hear about a good baseball player that plays on our side of town. We're going to go watch him, yeah. you know. My son's a seventh grader. If we if we know we it's a kid, he's out in the country and he um he throws, he's a seventh grader, little 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 left hand white dude, doesn't look like much, but he he's throwing 82, you know, and they, they play on the big boy field now. So That's in seventh grade, he plays on the ninth grade. grade team. He's 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 a seventh grader. So we hear about him coming over here. So let's go watch this kid play. Because he plays on some travel teams that that will play. So I said, let's go watch this kid play. Go back to what we're doing at Virginia Tech. People don't mind traveling to see somebody they know. That's right. You know, if they played against a good ball player and they ain't got nothing to do on a on a Saturday, and they two hours away. Oh, oh, hey, they, you know, such and such. We heard such and such is getting a start, or from your school, or I. But like, people will go and and watch a college football game, and yes, I think that we were getting away from that. Which I don't. We don't have so much of a a problem with filling the stadium, or we haven't had such a problem with filling the stadium. But you'll get there if you're already not putting a good product on the field, and you're just putting people out there that whatever you know. Yeah. You got to give some people some stuff to look at. You got to give some some families some. Okay, it's you know what we doing on Saturday. Our okay. baby is playing. We going to watch him. You know, and that's gonna get revenue for the city. That's going to get revenue for the football team. And that's going to put fans in the stands and that's going to mm-hmm. get the players hype. So right. I'm glad that they're trying to, you know, re- refocus on, on building that, that, that guideline, building what they have. So um, can, I'm, I'm I excited. We can take 10 kids, good football players from Virginia, bring them to Virginia Tech. And that means you can get 10 vans with seven or eight people in them to come out to the game. Mm-hmm. I get 10 kids from California, Texas, and who knows where. Hey, but about three of those folks going to pay that six or $700 play. Uh-huh. Right. Like, gotcha. like that game at home. Yep. And, and I mean, not that, not that their turn is still in the stadium. Right. Because right. obviously they do that very well year in and year out regardless. Right. But 
they know they know where their heart and soul is, and it's right there at home. Yeah. And there's kids in see in North Carolina that are closer than some of their kids in Virginia. Yeah, right. we got we had two Mount Airy commits right now. Or we got yeah. one with a crystal one. ball and one with a commit. So yeah, and got two on the team right now that are from just next door, East Surrey. Oh yeah, the, the guys now boys. Yeah. Now, now, excuse me. The younger Gosnell brother was from Caroline County, but he moved there his senior year. He was here at one of the schools that whoops our tail weekend, uh, year in and year out in East right. Surrey. Did you see? Did you see the uh, the younger Gosnell in in high school? Benji, I, I met him here a time because his head coach, Caroline County, was a Car- no Carroll County. Yeah, Carroll. Carol his County. coach there used to be the head coach here before we came in. Um, I heard he I heard he was tough in high school. That's a that's a that's a that's a big young one. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I heard he was tough in high school. Yeah, he he's pretty good. I've seen some film on him. I'm glad I didn't have. I'm glad I he, he went on to Virginia and played up there. I didn't have to deal with. Him. Yeah, hopefully he gets that mm-hmm. uh, that injury behind him. He can make some impact this year. Looking forward to that for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, let's let's move on from from the. The clinic, the chalk talk. We're going to start talking some spring game that's coming Uh-oh. up this Saturday. But we're going to start with the with what came out today. We got the format for the spring game, and we're going to start with this. We will start with what we didn't get. Uh-huh. So what we didn't get was a white jersey offense, maroon jersey defense, good on good with some depth chart swaps. Um, we didn't get that. Um, I got a little bit of theory about that, but you go ahead. Okay, I'll, so, so I'll, we didn't get that. We, we were hoping we were going to maybe get that. We were looking to, you know, score whether they kept the score ones versus twos or whether they gave defensive scores for things like three and outs, turnovers, or sacks, whatever whatever they decided to do in terms of keeping score. I think we were all hoping a little bit to look at that good on good, but that's not what we got. What we got was a split roster, white and maroon, like we saw last year. Calm down, Curtis. We got four quarters with potential shortened fourth, depending on how the game flows. Running game clock in the second half. Running game clock in the second half. But what you get is a more game-like flow for the spring game. That comes to a point where that running clock in the second half is kind of a good thing. Trust me. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so so we put the two formats out there. I think you already kind of know where we're leaning here. But, Curtis, we'll start with you because this is your rant. What's your preference? Oh, my God. Okay, how we're doing it is to be the worst possible way you can do it. <laughs> the worst. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Because what we're going to see, think last year, uh, our buddy B-Fish talked with him today, and he's like, I don't remember last year. I'm like, you remember Jason Brown? Congrats on the resurrection, B-Fish. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But but and this is all I said. Do you remember Jason Brown's offensive line last year at the spring game? He didn't have one. His three walk-ons, and I felt like he would have broke leg out there. I hate this format because what we don't get to see is – all the good players together. We don't get to see depth. We don't get to see. We, we, we talked about Aiden Green a couple weeks ago, right? We talked about him with Matei, and we talked about him with David. He was looking out there looking good with his hands. We don't get to say, all right, you go play Dorian Strong. Go out there against 44, Tally's favorite number in the world, 
and play that man. How good are you as a freshman? I don't get to see D-line one versus O-line one. I don't get to see people jumping up. You're right. It is going to be a better game format because it's actually a game. But reality, we Brian, we went back a few years ago when we had white versus maroon, and I felt entertained the whole time. I watched it on TV last year. That was not fun to watch. I watch it, and I enjoy it because I'm writing notes on players. I chatted with you because you were there at the game. I, I just – you know what? Brent Pry gets everything but spring game ball. <laughs> I, go, go ahead. They announced, they announced today that it was going to be a maroon team and a white team, right? Yep. And he said split roster. Who's going to be on the maroon team and who's going to be on the white team? They didn't, but they said split roster. You can split the roster any way you want to. I could take the five best offensive linemen. What Coach Crook tell you? With who I think is the best quarterback. They have not told you who yet. You're jumping to in the conclusion that that's what they did last year. You may see you may see what they consider the five best linemen on the white team, offensive linemen, and the five best or the four best defensive linemen on the maroon team. And you may still see that one-on-one. So, so Robbie, I will throw this at you. I will throw this at you because – I think this is where Curtis is coming from. If we had a de facto number one quarterback, I would 100% be on board with that. But if we're having a quarterback battle, you are handicapping one of those quarterbacks. Possibly. Now, from a coach's perspective, (laughs) this is for Coach Wateki and I were talking about this earlier. If I go out there right now and I say, in the spring, these are my five best linemen. That's going to be my starting five group. I'm going to put them out there against this. You got kids behind them in the spring that are going to – they're going to they're only going to react one of two ways. It's they think they're better than I am. I'm going to go out there and prove that, I, that I'm not a number two behind him. Or you're going to have a kid that goes, well, I'm a number two. They already told me in the spring. So why keep fighting? And they're not looking at that. In the spring, in in my opinion, in the spring, they're analyzing these kids wholly and individually. We're going to find in the fall, we're going to find in other things when they're going to put the best groups together. Absolutely. You may have a kid stand out against, you know, the two and be like, okay, well, let's move him over here and put him against a, a, a you know, a requirement that we know can play. He get the job done with this walk-on kid right here. If he can get the job done with the walk-on beside him, you know he can get the job done with the returning more kid beside him. Yeah. Something like that. So right. I don't – it don't bother me quite as bad. It might not be as entertaining for for the regular person to watch and see, but there's a method to it. I believe that. I, I think you got to weigh it because I think it's I think for the very general fan watching something in a more game like format is what they want for any fan that's trying to look for growth or look for yeah. little nuggets that they can pull out of of the spring game. I feel like the format is, gives it gives you a little bit of a harder time in analyzing that because you really have to look at the tape and look at those kind of the the analytics and the player by player standpoint to to pull out where the growth is 
because you're not going to see it necessarily as a unit. Because I mean, when we looked at it last year with uh, with the line that Jason Brown had, I was like, all right, I know we definitely don't have any more than five or six linemen. To start for this <laughs> I count five. That's it. Anybody gets hurt, we screwed. So I guess, Tally, I guess I'll let you ride questions. too. Go ahead, Tally. Well, I was just going to say, what are the questions? Because I, I mean, well, I the question is, to... what's your preference? Would you rather want a split squad game, or do you want ones versus ones, twos versus two? To me, man, honestly, I'm just happy I'm going. I just want to go and have a good time. All right, like, hold on. If your ass had to sit at home like I got to. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. But I keep telling people that I don't believe anything they tell me during the spring because it, you you can't really judge it. But what I'll say is the question I have for you and Curtis and Brian, who were the linemen that was blocking for Jason Brown last year? Um, Bajowski was one of them. He's a walk-on. Okay, sorry. It was – oh, no, it was – no, it was legitimately – when they laid it out, it was – starting center was with Wells, starting tackles were with Wells, and he had more. And he was supposed to have Hanson, but Hanson got hurt, and Hanson skipped the game. He had Malachi Thomas. Malachi was banged, got banged that week and was out. And part wasn't Parker out for part of the game too? He was. He was out for part of the game. That's why I don't see again. It's not so much. And I get Robbie. What I just I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember who Brown it had. Was bad. I was hoping y'all was gonna give me a name that they're saying is competing for a starting nope. job this year. I think nope. so. So nope. Brown only had one uh, game one, one starter. He had on more. his. Yeah, that was he, it. He only had one game one yeah, starter on his, uh, on his. Well, side we didn't. Have, yeah, we didn't. So you know, to go with what Robbie's saying, hell, we just didn't have a lot last year. It didn't matter how you split it up. But I'm gonna say <laughs> we didn't this. Have a lot. Right, I'm gonna joke with y'all right now. This isn't a joke, Andrew Perrin, I hope you're listening. Whoever has the crappier offensive line, we know who the number two quarterback going out of spring is. That's all I'm gonna say. We, we, right, we, right. To be determined. We'll, we'll I've, been see have a drones, conversation. I've been seeing drones in a lot of pictures with Allie Jennings and the guys. So uh-huh. I'm going to uh-huh. say that. Oh, wait a second. Oh, oh, oh what did you see? We're going to get to that. Don't worry. Let's flip it here. Let's talk about things we're looking for in this game. And since we had Jamari Connor, one of the better defensive players that we've had over the last four or five years here, join us tonight. And Robbie, who is a defensive coordinator and defensive line. We're going to start defensively, even though everybody probably wants to start with quarterbacks. But – you know, we do what we want. And let's start with the defensive line because outside quarterback, to me, that's the biggest question. We've been bringing it up. We've been talking it, shooting the shit for the last few weeks here about not so much interior, but edge presence. And, Robbie, I'm going to pitch to you first, man. When you were down there, anybody catch your eye at edge? Because I'm, we, I'm, I'm pulling up my, my roster so I okay. can make sure. Numbers have changed. Some folks are wearing different numbers. Oh, they're messing with you then. I really don't even know. Um, but the uh, defensive end-wise, where we got here, the the one kid that I saw that I thought looked pretty good was 14. Moiston. Okay. 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 I, I thought he looked – he's very athletic – He's long and rangy. Um, he's probably going to need to get a little more weight on him, but he, he, he's he got that long build. He's quick to the edge. 
I think he's going. I think he's going to step in and help some. Um, and then who was the other one? McCray. Okay. McCray didn't look too right, bad. Is um, he? Do you think he's put on a little bit more weight? Is he kind of getting? I know he was more of a. He was a linebacker that we were kind of turning into a edge he, rusher he, last I mean, year. Looked, I would say he was probably around 250, 260. Okay. Give or take. I mean, he was a decent looking kid. Now, granted, we were at the practice I was at was, I think, practice number five. Okay. That makes right. sense. Um, it was the 25th of March. It's a lot of still drills and fundamentals and and things like that. It doesn't so, look like the second padded practice or something like that. I think it was a second padded practice. So you weren't seeing a lot of you know defensive ends versus offensive linemen, one on ones, and and stuff like that. You're seeing a lot of of bag drills and you know running the hoops and attacking. Um, the attacking, the throwing on, different things like that, and you could see you could see some athleticism and some burst from those guys. I, I really saw the defensive end group and the, and the interior front and the linebacker guys doing things about you know turnovers and and batting balls and things like that. Okay, and you could see that athleticism. Now, going one-on-one and doing stuff like that, I didn't see as much of that stuff. Um, But you can – like, I feel like the things that I look at, I could see good things out of a lot of those guys. They had a freshman there, a kid coming in. um, What was his name? Was he on field or was he – No, he was on the field. He was was an early enrollee. I can't remember his name. Defensive hey, line, though? Defensive end, yeah. Was it 46? It may have been, the, been. Might have been the Canadian kid. Uh, I was say he's got – wasn't his arm in the sling, though? It was, but that was when David saw him. Oh, okay. This could have been before that. Yeah. All right. Um, All right well, I think it might have been him. But they – I mean, they had – he had a – they had a couple of, of – of younger guys that I think are gonna are gonna round into something, you know, some some redshirt sophomores, some redshirt freshmen, and stuff like that. Um, you got kids coming in still in the fall that haven't gotten there yet, right? They had what twenty eight kids total, mm-hmm. and nineteen of them there in the fall. I mean, in the spring, eleven came in the spring. Eleven came in the spring. Eleven came in the spring. Now, if you count the transfers, I think it might be almost nineteen. Okay. Yeah, I think it was nineteen, is what they said. All right, so I mean. I, I think I think they're making some strides in the right places, and it's just going to be how quickly these guys can mature and develop. Um, you know, of course, you have your older guys that have played some, but you've got several kids there, younger, and all of them were the same kind of build. They were that same 6'3 to 6'5, 235, 235. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Tally's done with 5'11 and 6-foot tall linemen. Hey, Tally, let me ask you this. And, Brian, you you kick it next. What are y'all looking for on the offensive line? What Robbie's saying, I'm size and speed. You know, like, for me, it's different 
You know what I'm saying? Because you don't win the game in the first quarter. No. You don't win the game in the second quarter. Every now and then you win it in the third quarter. Like, you got to have bodies that you can run and lean on people. That's why these SEC teams are so, by the fourth quarter, they're beating teams up. They're laying on them. Georgia's running five different guys at you that's 300 pounds, you know, and we just haven't had that. You know, we've had – and no disrespect to some of the kids we had. We had some great kids to come in and play hard. Griffin was a great player for us. Um, you know, we can go down the list of ends and even some yeah. of the D tackles that we've had. But Eli when you Adams. just get into – yeah, when you just get into the grind of an ACC season or a football season period, we just – again, just from a fan perspective, going and looking at a game, you look at our team and, and you go, man, we're so small compared to – Georgia Tech. I went to Atlanta and watched us play Georgia Tech. Now they had um what's my man named that transferred to Alabama on that team? Oh, oh, um, um Gibbs. Yeah, Gibbs? they had Gibbs, Gibbs on the team. Gibbs. So of course he was the he was the, the the best thing on the field. We beat him that game, but he looked different. But their team looked bigger than us. You know, even though we won, I'm sure like again, I know we had some some boys that played hard, but as far as that defensive line goes, man. Uh, a lot of these kids that they're bringing in, I just see size, you know. And I know that when you get out of high school, some of these kids are slender, but that's that's what a weight room is for. That's what the nutrition is for. So when you look at a kid that's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, you know, they say 220 or 230, 30 pounds is easy. You're going to gain 15 pounds by going to college, period. Yep. Well, that's, that, right. that's, that's the freshman 15. You're going to get that just <laughs> – Period. So if these kids can throw down and eat and pump some iron, like you can get 30 pounds, you know, yeah, you can get 20 pounds most of the time. So um, I'm just, I'm just thankful and interested to see what our actual team looks like with some, with some size. Uh, and I think, you know, the speed of course too, you can't just be big and slow, but I think a lot of these kids that we're getting in a lot of this, uh, these, these tweeners in high school and just like even looking at the kid like McCray, McCray, when he played early in the season, he was jumping off the film to me. He was jumping off the screen. Mm-hmm. He was doing some things where he just looked different. And he came from what, Marshall? Like Marshall. He went through Mar- and so it wasn't like he was just such a high-level yeah. guy. And I'm like, oh, man, he's an Alabama commit. No, some kids just look different than other kids. You know what I'm saying? And they're going he, – he, he just had it. So I'm hoping he builds on it. I think he had an injury last year that kind of um, – Derail some of the stuff he was doing, but size, I say, is what I'm I'm excited about seeing. You can get some edge disruption from six feet tall if you get Dwight Freeney, but I don't think we got Dwight Freeney right now. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll say this because I mean, having played against some some guys, some guys that play D one ball, some guys that you know, obviously I played played D three, so I played against all all that level of talent. The the type of player that gave me the most trouble wasn't the fast guy that that was my height or a little bit taller than me. It was a guy that was playing about six, three that could have long reach and leverage could use their hands, but also still had some quickness to make the play in the backfield. That gave me fucking fits. So we're getting longer. That's going to be a problem for some offensive linemen. So I I, I like that. And when you, when you see some of the stuff they did, I know, I know some people laughed about having that MMA guy in, but you talked about it, Robbie, with the hand stuff. Like the hands fighting. Like if, if you have guys who are long and know how to do that on the defensive line, you're going to win battles. I'm going to pivot off here in a second, but I'm going to 
I'm interested to see one thing. And y'all boys that are going there, y'all got to watch it. Tell me where Fladarius Payne lines up. I just they put him a defensive tackle, but everything in my he's number zero, Robbie. Six three, yeah. three hundred seventy pounds. I'm interested to see if they're gonna play him at like a five tech. Play a big end. Because the guy played edge. He played edge in Nebraska. He was brought in to be edge last year before he blew his Achilles out, you know, in the early part of the summer. I'm interested, you know, they put him at D tackle all of a sudden and we're stacked there. We got six deep now. I'm wondering if they're going to play him like at a five-tech and say play big end, having Lawson and Jenkins, who we're going to talk about that group in a second. It, it's possible, it, but there's a there's a trend right now Go for it. in all of football. In, and it, it started with Aaron Donald. Mm. Those big, athletic, three. just a little bit smaller defensive ends playing that three technique. Uh, I know I've I've got one that that played for me in high school. He played at NC State. He played defensive end at NC State for a vast majority of his career, and he got to the league in San Francisco. Moved him to a three technique. Yes, they did. Six three, he's two hundred and eighty pounds, and he runs a four five six forty. He, I mean, unfortunately, he went to the Saints last year. And I, I hate to say it, he just signed with the Eagles last week. That kills me. Hard <laughs> out. Yeah, I only pull for the Eagles two games a year. That's when they play the Cowboys. Now I got to pull for them more. All right, kill me. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I love the kid. I'm gonna keep going, but that I I picture something like that with him. But he's a guy that if something goes bad, they can slide him right back out there. And he's got plenty of experience in that okay. situation. All right, good deal. And play, you know, you get teams that have that that tight end, you know, a double tight set, the, the pro style double tight. You know, they'll load two tight ends on one side or something like that. He can play that five technique and, and play that that you know interior type lineman against that kind of stuff. He, he's going to be a valuable asset there, but I it's. I'm trying to think of like so many of the drills they did was about pressure and moving. I can't remember which group he was with. All right. It was a defensive line, the interior lineman or the or the ends. No. Nope. I think he's gonna be a he's definitely gonna be a presence on all of them. No big deal here, man. All right, let's flip over. Let's look at, let's just let's just talk a little bit about the linebacker room. I know I think this is a room we all feel good about. My interesting piece is with J.R. Walker leaving, we mentioned it last week, who's going to end up being the backup? Because we, me and Brian, we talked last year about Walker and Jenkins. That's a great one-two combo. You don't lose hardly anything when Walker comes off. Walker's gone. So we do not have a primary backup. It came out tech sideline. I think, I'm not sure if it was David or Andy, but Prime mentioned they're moving Jalen Hoyle over to nickel. Same. That's an interesting development because, you know, that tells a lot what we talked about last week with the safeties. So, Brian, I'll go to you. I think I know what you're going to say. It involves the big M position, but what are you looking at Saturday? I mean, I'm looking primarily at Mike, um, I know. to be honest, because I, mean, nope, I, know. I, I feel like because I feel like the the starters at the other two spots are going to be solid, and I feel like the depth will more or less work itself out. I need to know. 
who's standing in the middle of that defense, who's getting those calls, and who's going to be one of the primary guys that's going to help us in the run game. That That's what I'm concerned about. I want to see who that guy's going to be. Is it going to be a undersized Tisdale? Is, is Jaden Keller coming on? Um, is it going to be somebody that isn't even on the roster yet? Um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at. So Mike is my biggest concern because I feel like some of that depth will take care of itself with some additional practice. Well, I think, I think, you know, most people probably thinking the same thing and looking at the same thing because most of the time Mike is, that's the quarterback on defense. You know what I'm saying? That's the one who's making the calls most of the time. That's the one who's getting people lined up. So that person usually has got to be a leader. That person's usually got to know a lot of stuff. So like Brian said, it's like interested to see who are we putting in that position because we feel like some of the other depth is going to play out fine. But that position, it's got to be a run stopper, you know, and football is evolving. This person, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Are they going to be side to side? Are they going to be able to just anchor down the middle? What are we, what are we going to have there? So, um, I don't know, man. And then it's just like when when Bima left. I mean, we've had Dax there for fucking ten years, so <laughs> it's just like, what do you pivot and go to? You know what I'm saying? Whether he's good or bad in your eyes, you knew okay, he's in this spot. You yep. know, now yeah. you got to make a change. It's like, are we going for this? Is this the the look that we're going for? Are we going for this? I don't know. And it always seems like in Virginia Tech, that's you go in season after season, and it was almost like, well, we know who the Mike is. Yeah, yep. And it's always been that way. I mean, it, it, you've had the halls, and, and um, like you said, uh, Hollyfield's been there 10 damn years. Before him, there was um, Ashby. Yep. It was Ashby. I mean, yeah. yeah, Ashby and then Tua Palaka, but it was the – you had some consistency there. You knew and they kind of looked the same. They kind of looked the same. They kind of looked the same. You knew what they were going to give you. Yeah. You knew that. I mean, even though they had their limitations, Dax, mm-hmm. Rayshard, but you knew what they were going to give you. And when you know what a guy's going to give you, it's a hell of a lot easier to figure out what you can do around them, right? right. Robbie, yeah. I know you're going down to the smaller school now. You know, I know what this kid can give me. Because you mentioned, I remember you mentioned last year, I've got this one kid, he can do everything. What do I go? you were talking about what you were going to probably do with him that year because whatever I do with him, I've got to put him in the best spot. And now we're sitting here. We don't have that, but to the point that we were kind of making with Jenkins and Lawson in the depth behind them is for the first time in a long time, we have to make a decision at Mike, but you're talking about on the outside. It's not to me. It's not earth shattering, right? It's not like, cause we saw Lawson come on. Lawson's a yeah. Lawson's a freak. Could he be a DB? Maybe. That is a high standard to live up to. Could he be yeah. Edmonds? Maybe. High standard. But some of the stuff he did in those last three, four games, like you're watching, Brian, you got to watch some of the tape, and it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> a lot of I mean, if, if yeah, he gets consistent of- with, with his technique, yeah. he's going to be a problem because he's got all the length and athleticism in the world. I would say a lot of the stuff that he did came from length. You know what I'm saying? When we go back to the defensive line, when you're when you're watching a game as an average fan, you're just thinking either this person got a tackle or they didn't. But when you watch the game with somebody like Brian or you watch the game with somebody like Robbie, 
you know, you're looking for other stuff that's going on on in the trenches. Are these guys getting their hands up? Because if you got linemen that's getting their hands up and getting in the throwing lanes, that gets in the quarterback's head, and that they don't have that. We, it's a lot of time in the recent past that we haven't had people getting their hands up in throwing lanes. You may can't get to the quarterback sometimes, but when you got somebody like Kelly Lawson, this what is he six five? Didn't, oh, yeah. You know, when he can't get there, when he can't get there, and he can put his hands up. Yeah, it's going to it's going to impede some stuff that the quarterback's trying to do. You know, yeah. I think didn't he have a tip? He had a tip pick one one game yeah, or did. something, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's that is just length and athleticism. Yes, it is. You know what I'm saying? Well, let's saying, talk. Let's talk about this too, because um, we talk about open field, mm-hmm. we talk about inline blocking, and I, I was talking earlier when we were talking about the line and how length is a problem. Length is a problem at the second level too, mm-hmm. because if I can't get my face across you and get into your pads, I'm going to have a problem blocking you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And somebody it's, it's, with it's, that type of length and that type of speed, that's going to create problems for linemen and tight ends getting to that second level. Yeah. Because if I, you I, got, if you got a lineman that's coming to wash you out and you're able to use your hands to keep him at bay and have this outside hand free and somebody's coming on the outside, you still can grab. You know what I'm saying? Now that comes to towel drills. Can you get them down? You know what I'm saying? Different things like that. But at the same time, it's if you don't have it, you don't have it. If you don't got a seven foot wingspan, yes, ain't got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you either got that or you don't. <laughs> so it's like in the recent man, we haven't had a lot of athletes that I'm seeing. Uh, I watched a little bit of, of stuff and, and went back and watched a little bit more film because I kept hearing the name uh, Most Phillips. You know, then uh, Cunningham came on and talked about him, yeah. just his hitting yep. ability. And then I turned on the tape and I'm like, yeah, this kid wasn't ranked until signing day. And then they give him a 84, 85, whatever he gets, you know, normal stuff. And, you know, at regular fans, we don't pay attention to it. Then you turn on the tape and you say, yeah, this man is coming downhill. He's hitting. He's a legit, you know, six one, six two, coming from those positions and hitting. That's much different. People don't understand six one, six two coming downhill is different than five ten, five eleven, just That's because true. of the the area that you're covering. So, I don't know, man. I'm I'm I've been preaching it a long time. Just size and 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 you know that's not going to just get us out of every hole that we're in. But it, it looks good. I like to see it. I'm excited about as far, it. As far as the linebackers go, I think I think you got a bright future with uh, Jenkins, Lawson. Um, I mean, well, Jenkins is the older one. Yeah. Right. Keller, Lawson, Keller. and McDonald. I think I think it looks. I mean, you got three guys there that are younger, that that are doing good things, and they're going to be the future of that room. Um. And Jenkins is just going to help them all get ready for it. Yeah. All right. I mean, but. Well, uh, one of the. They're all 6'2", 6'3", six, six, or more. Yes, they right. are. Ridiculous for linebackers. <laughs> right. It's, it's like they're trying to build a prototype for linebackers here at Virginia. Yeah, yeah. If you ain't 6'3", you, you ain't, you ain't coming we, here. We had play. Ashby, which was a tackling machine, but he was 5'9", five, 5'10". Was, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Five ten. And Drew was the same. Uh, Matua Puaka was the same way. Five yeah. eleven. 
Please, Salem. I know. I, I've met. I've, I've talked to that kid a few times. He played at the high school my wife was working at, Virginia Beach, okay. Salem High School. Even old Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He he was not five ten. Nah, Bucky was not five ten. Bucky six, was seven. six ten. <laughs> yeah. Played basketball. All right, let's hit probably the room that we probably ain't worried about none, and that's defensive backs. I, I mean, I think it's the, the solid five starting there. We're feeling more and more. When you hear Hoyles moving and we hear what David said about Phillips and Jones looking good, you feel like that room's coming together. I mean, I, I feel like we're all going to look at it just because it's defensive backs and you see them on every play and you see them moving around. Um, but, I mean, I'm going into this week with this between Strowman, between Peoples, Canteen. Who am I missing? Strong, strong. store Canteen. Yeah. What do you got about Canteen? He's, he's Canteen. Canteen. Canteen is, from what I can see through drills and everything, he is leading everything. Like he's the voice, the heartbeat, the, the inspiration to go after things. I mean, he is to be a transfer coming in. Uh-huh. Step into that role. Like you can tell he's he's there to improve everything. He is there to to show people the energy and the passion you've got to have. He matches Coach Prelude's passion at practice and, and the way things were going that day. I mean, he's just he's just that he's always giving the younger guys information. He's always talking about the things they can do and how they're going to have to practice, and, and in in that in that group and those DBs, the safeties and corners, um, prelude's the the energy, and Coach Jones is the is the inspiration, and they always talk about cheetahs. Well, that's not about just being fast and, and doing things like a cheetah. It's a it's a way of life for Coach Jones and those guys back there, and those guys are living it, man. And Canteen's putting it to the front. You do things right. You do things the way they're supposed to be done. You do it with the effort. And I mean, he's we y'all talked about it the last show about how somebody had to step up and lead this group. Right now, it looks like Canteen is the guy doing that. And we didn't even just you know and and. and I guess the one that we feel like has the best ceiling out of all those people is probably the youngest guy, which is uh, uh, Mansoor. But we ain't even yeah. touched on we ain't even touched on Strowman and uh, Peoples. Like <laughs> they've been that group is deep, man, and that's yes, that is much de- and as some big individuals for to be playing that DB room. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's six gonna get better. Yeah, and it's just getting and and, and I've heard a lot about Cotman just him coming in as a freshman. And like I said, I don't know how much burn he gets uh, just maybe at DB or, or, or safety or wherever they're putting him. But if he's coming in and he's pushing those guys and he's giving good looks and he can get in on, on um, special teams, and that's a, that's a nice size kid coming in at six, two, six, three uh, straight out of high school, ready to go. You know, we don't have to put, you don't have to put height or weight on it. Height or weight on him. He's got it. Watching, some, yep, watching some film and stuff. Watching some film and some highlights and stuff like that. 
the uh, the Woodson kid. Oh yeah, Northern Virginia. Everybody. Yeah, we talked. We talked to the white. We talked to the white Vic a couple of weeks ago, and but he's been saying Ooh. it for probably a year now. To me, uh-huh. just you that's could, his that's guy. That, 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 that's who's going to step in for Jenkins when he steps off. That, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's what I think. We're talking about him right now. Woo! Yeah. All right. And trust me. Yeah, I was, I was, I was watching that show with with Dwight. With Dwight and yeah, I agree with him one hundred percent about Woodson. Now <laughs> that kid's going to be, that kid's going to be a missile. <laughs> yeah. Love it, love it, I'll love it, people. love it. But that you won't have to worry about that DB and safety room. I'm gonna tell you what. Yeah. That. They're deep. Some of them are young, but I, I think they I think some of them young ones are gonna be able to play now. Yeah, I think so as be, well. You you're gonna you're gonna have a problem there with having so many yeah. and figuring out how to get enough of them on the field at the time. Well, that ain't never a problem. <laughs> too much of a good too many good football players is a good problem to have. Not a DBU, baby. Not right. a, Brian, anything right. you wanna add on this? Now, y'all touched on the big highlights for me. So, I mean, I, I'm just excited to see this group get back out there. Um, excited to see what Canteen brings on the field because we've heard all the great stuff he's bringing off the field. So, I'm just looking forward to checking out what they can do and seeing how that depth, that safety kind of develops there with uh, with some of the new guys like Phillips and then mixing in uh, you know Jalen Jones switching sides of the ball. So, I'm excited about all of it. I, I, like I said, I feel pretty good about that room as a whole. All right, so Brian, what are we talking about next? We talking quarterbacks? Oh, baby, quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. Well, with, with this format, right, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna go ahead and just rip it. If the format is what I think it is, why am I gonna look at quarterbacks? Somebody's gonna be throwing to nobody, and you know, <laughs> it's gonna be protected by somebody I ain't never heard of. Well, we had last year. We had against, I think, against ODU. We had Staphylophagus playing wide receiver in the game, so you might need to pay attention. Whatever his name was, it jumped off sides. Like, <laughs> I, I tell you what, the wide receiver group that's there now compared to what was there last year. Yeah, both you might have two or three quarterbacks that have at least one or two to throw to. <laughs> well, we just don't look at everything as a whole right now. Because we're already on the offensive side of the ball, you got you know we're talking about quarterback, but like Robbie said, that that wide receiver room is totally revamped. Yeah, and you talk about the just say the three um, transfers that come in, right? Well, if they're playing, then you still got the guys that was there last year that they raving about during spring as well. You got Christian Moss, you got uh, Tucker Holloway. You got uh, Gosnell. Yeah. So that's six. And then we've heard freshmen. We've heard a- Aiden Green's name mentioned. Yes, we have. You know, so that's and while, and while we're talking about that, let's talk about the X Factor, Daquan Wright. That's going to be. I hear it. I was going to say, we ain't even got two tight ends. So <laughs> we might get to see some. So we might get to see some interesting stuff that, that happens in this game or, or people interesting matchups because. We're not used to having any depth. Now, I'm not saying we got so much right now, but I can tell you, mines did a good job with that with that wide receiver room, just perception wise. You know, we don't know how it's going how it's going to pan out because that's why we play the game. That but is. looking at what he did to go and fix that wide receiver room, it's totally different than what we seen last year. Just from 
how I look at things whenever somebody talks to me about football or even when we have basketball debates or something. Yeah. And they say, well, was this person better than this person or this person does this and this? Does that person, like just say we're talking basketball, does that person change the perception of what the NBA is? You talk about Allen Iverson. He did some stuff that nobody else could do in the NBA. I don't know if he's better than this person or that person, but they changed the dress code because of him. You know what I'm saying? You talk about Michael Vick. He changed what people thought a quarterback was. You know what I'm saying? So go back down to the level we're talking about. If I'm on the defensive side of the ball, do I have to game plan for you? Yeah. Yeah, I think you do. I I think think now. Do I got a game plan for Allie Jennings? His first game. Not seeing nothing. Do I got a game plan for him? Damn right. I think I do. Yeah. Do I have the game plan for uh for Jalen uh, Lane? Lane? I think you do. Guy went what 160 and four catches against Miami. Do Lane? I have the game plan for a six five receiver? Yeah, that's got a big body uh, in Felton that nobody yeah. knows anything about. I think you do. And I that's not you. that's not even seeing anything. Um, and then even like Tucker Holloway, you know you what know I'm saying. We we don't know everything he can do, but we know he returned a kick. He's as a fast. Freshman. He's got some wiggle, and he, he, got and he, and he looked he like got- and he looked like a um, my son size at thirteen. But <laughs> we know he's fast, and he know he got some wheels. So I'm excited about having some playmakers on offense because I think when we look back for last year, most teams looked at us and we had so many injuries, and they said, okay. When they put this tight end in, they're going to try to throw him the ball because he ain't blocking much. He's usually coming in the catch. And then they got the big kid out, which was Caleb Smith, that they're going to try to throw a jump ball to. Yeah, That's it. That's what we had on offense. So when we, when we go back and talk about, again, I hate to keep bringing it up, but when but we talk about to. it, you have we talk to. about the Grant Wells thing. I understand what that offense was. I'd never said our offense was great. I just feel like if he went in and somebody, I don't think people had the game plan for Grant Wells. Hmm. That that's the problem for me last year. Now I think the kid's gonna make some strides. I think he's gonna be a great backup quarterback. For there you go. <laughs> but, well, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie told us something last night. We know Grant Wells has a strong arm, right, Brian? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, but. Robbie, you said when you saw Drones throw that ball, it went, huh? Yeah, Drones, yeah, Drones turns it loose now. Yep. I mean, getting back, yeah, you you've got a kid, you've got a kid in Grant Wells who is has experience. Mm-hmm. He's coming out there to play. He's going to get the opportunity. I, I, you're not going to be, you shouldn't be surprised when he comes Saturday. He's going to get the opportunity. To go out there with the first group, he's going to get the opportunity to play. He's going to get the opportunity to lose that job. That's what that's what he's going to get because he. I think he's going to be on this. I think he's going to take the field this year with possibly a combination of six different wide receivers that are outside of one above anything they had last year. Six different receivers. Yeah, Smith is probably the only one they could they could stand in the in those six. And he'd at least be a, a two in the in this group, maybe a three. Yeah. <laughs> maybe three. And I mean, 
that's I've only been coaching football a little while, but you ain't gonna put six receivers on the field at the time. Right. <laughs> you put three or four out there and then bring three or four more in afterwards, and things change up. Wells is Wells has to look better with that on the field by proxy. It's how yeah. much better. But don't get it twisted. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised when I say this, but Drones is more of an athlete than Grant Wells is. Right. No shot. Drones is going to force you to game plan. Nothing that you've seen in the past from Grant Wells is making you game plan. Now, after the first three games, if for some reason he's the, the guy that they give the ball to to start the season, he may be a guy you have to game plan for right. because of what they put around him now. But I know Drones is going to be a guy you're going to have to game plan for right. because that is a that is a bigger, different kind of guy. He He's a little – he's not as big as some of the guys they've had a quarterback in the past, but he's big enough, and I think they have him listed, what, 6'2"? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That that kid bigger six two. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robbie, also, Robbie also told us something else um, when we talked the other day when he talked about Wells. Like I said, um, I'm not I don't, I'm not a, a, a Wells basher. I like to hear good stuff. And Robbie gave us a little bit of uh, background on Wells. Talked about how he was he was leading the offense. He was yeah. a leader on offense. He was, you know, he was he was talking uh, drones up and helping with the stuff because he's got a better handle on the offense. So, Robbie, what'd you, what'd you tell us about that? Wells knows that he's got the experience. Wells is what? Does he, this is he be his last year? No, I think he's got, I think he's got another year. I have another but he, year. But he's been there. But he's, he's, he started yeah. playing as a true freshman when he was at Marshall. So he, yeah. he's yeah. had a lot of experience even before he got here. Yeah. But he knows what the future is. He knows that he's there to help that program build. Mm -hmm. And if that program is him, if he gets beat out, he's not going to be, he's not going to be a guy that goes, I got beat for the starting job. Now I got to just, you know, wait and see if I get an opportunity. He's going to help everybody around. He's that kind of football player. Mm -hmm. He's that kind of kid. And I mean, that's a good thing to have with the youth that you're bringing in in drones without a lot of experience. But Jones athletically is is a kid that's going to be able to play. He's going to go out there and do some of the things that they've, excuse me, that they've enjoyed doing in the past with with some other guys, with with Logan Thomas, with Brian Randall. Um, I don't know. I ain't going to say he's in the league with Vic. But, I mean, to be able to – if if the pass breaks down, he can take off, which we know Wells can too. Right. Not to the same level though. Right. No, not, not to, to the, the same, same level. level. Yeah, it's kind of like Curtis has been saying for what I don't know, maybe the last two months. Yeah. yeah. Drones is gonna show us one play. Give us one play that we're gonna go. He's the only. Per- he is the quarterback that can make that play. He's a quarterback you know? that play. And what do I keep saying? And I, I know I've mentioned it to you, Robbie and Brian. Y'all play. You coach. And I say there's parts of the game where you need just that one play. It's third and seven, the passes break down, and he scampers for 17. I always go back in my mind. Y'all remember what, third and 31 with Tyrod against FSU? 
Y'all, y'all remember that, right? Oh yeah. There's only about three quarterbacks in the country that could do that that year, and he was one. And he did yeah. it, and he won the game. Well, hell, you can go to you can go to most of the games we played last year, where the other teams was getting those one plays, exactly. whether it was the running back or the quarterback. He's like, damn it, why, one play. Why does this always happen to us? I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna mention somebody. Robbie's mentioned already, and somebody David mentioned last week, and we know he was a high recruit. I think Benji Gusnell is going to take a big step this year. I think he's cleared those injuries. We know the talent he is. We talked, you know, we heard Davis talk about his blocking. And I think if you were able to, I like Gallo. I think Gallo's the entrenched starter and Daquan's always on the field. One day Brian's going to get to interview Daquan. I'm, we're going we're gonna to push Travis Wells for that interview in the fall, Brian. He's not a true freshman anymore. So I think he's not a true freshman. They can't, they can't bullshit you anymore. Exactly, exactly. But I exactly. think with someone like Gosnell, and we're hearing about that blocking, we know his size, 6'5", 240, 250-plus, I think there's going to be some times where they wouldn't be afraid to put him on the field. I don't know if we'll see it in spring. I hope he does get some run just to prove that he's back past the injury. Um, but I, I think he's still I think he's still working back. Okay. I mean, I, I like, I don't think physically he's working back. I think he's back physically. But he's just working through what's there, you know. I, I don't. I don't think this is a group of coaches that jump in on potential. It's he's going to have to work through and, and prove he can be there and do that. And I don't think he's going. I don't think he's going to take very long to prove that. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, six five, six six, two hundred fifty pounds. That's a. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good chunk of human. I mean, he's going. He can block. He can move things, and, and he's at six five, six six. That's that's a whole lot of man going across the middle trying to catch balls now. Yeah, you better have some. You better have some big linebackers and some big things. I mean, look, look at the NFL right now. Look at Gronkowski and Kelsey and all of those types of guys. They're big guys, and they give small safeties and linebackers hell. trouble. Hell, they give them hell is what they do. I'm not. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not jumping in and saying Gosnell's a, a Kelsey or a Gronkowski. He's built that way. He's built that way. He's and built it, that it, way. It's, it's gonna give people trouble. Yep. All right. Let's hit one last piece here. We ain't talked about it all night, and we're an offensive line podcast. Brian, you've been looking. What? What? What are you looking for? Well, we don't know. The I told you it's gonna be mixed up. Don't be mixed up. Who and what are you looking for in the line on Saturday as you are sitting somewhere? Well, somewhere. I don't know if y'all can go sit in the West or the East stands. Yeah, considering what I saw last year, I'm going to very much be focused on individuals. And the individuals that I'm focused on is who who the hell is playing right guard or or, or the guard opposite uh, Lamore? Who's playing that guard? How they're doing, what they're doing. And then I'm looking at right tackle do I see improvement from the product that we saw from Parker Clements last year for the majority of the season? And beyond that, I'd like to see what some of those other tackles can do, uh, whether it's Johnny Garrett or somebody else um, jumping in there. I'd like to see what we have at tackle beyond Parker Clements uh, on the right side. So, that, that's what I'm looking at. Um, I feel like Chaplin has left locked up. I feel like Lil Moore has left locked up or or right, depending on how they swap him and who ends up being the the other guard starting. But um, those are what I'm looking for is, is do we have a starting guard and 
a starting right tackle that can elevate the level of play that we saw last year because that side struggled mightily. Um, the right tackle side struggled mightily. Hanson struggled off and on throughout the season. Um, if we can improve that in, in any degree and you factor in what what an, a little bit better running game can do for an offense with the RPO, that's going to be big because if you can run somewhat effectively, you, you put a, a defense in a bind. Like I said earlier, the options go out the window in the RPO if you can't run or pass. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I can't I can't wait to see 61 and 68 double team somebody. <laughs> I can't wait to see more and more get hip to hip and drive some poor guy through the linebacker core because those two guys, when they go after things in practice, from what I saw, they have they have a streak about them. Is you step in front of us, and we're going to move you against your will, regardless of what you want. And when you put those two side by side together, you're going to get some push inside. And the way that Coach Crook likes to run the inside zone and press that A-gap to the guard's rear end, you're going to get a double team out of those two, and there's going to be some seams inside, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. Now, like you said, that other guard position, if they can get that, you know if they put one more at center and one more at guard, you know that's going to jail. Them two boys have grown up together. Yep. Mm-hmm. You find that other guard and you can get that gel, that thing to gel in on both sides, mm-hmm. your zone run game inside right there is going to open up and it's going to help. It's going to help that offense tremendously. That's what I'm excited to see up front. Yeah, definitely that guard position is, is going to be big because everybody always talks brotherhood. But you got two brothers on the line. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like me, I played tight end, and my tackle was my best friend. We rode to all the games together. We played yeah. little league ba- baseball, football together. And I could tell you, when I'm I'm yelling, when he's gonna miss a block, I can tell you. If I'm going out for a pass, and I can hear him breathing a certain way, and I see this <laughs> dude is standing and he's about to bull rush. I said, this motherfucker is about to get ran over. Y'all better yeah. get rid of this ball quick or I would just change and stay in because I knew our quarterback's getting hit because my buddy here is not fin- – he's not about to block this guy. This yeah. or this linebacker's coming he ain't going to be able to get him. So it's just certain things that you learn when you're playing with somebody for a, a amount of time, um, how they're breathing um, on the trenches, what they're talking about their demeanor, different things like that that you're going to learn that I hope these boys are picking up. But as far as me just looking for players, it has to be Chaplin for me. Like, I I just – he is a big dude, you know what I'm saying? But he's very young, you know, and I want to see – I don't want to put too much on him because I don't know what he's got. I just want to see – I've seen him get in a couple games, and I've seen him move some people, but I want to see can he do that consistently, you know what I'm saying? Because you're talking about starting on that line – at the, one of those tackle positions, man, you're going to go up against some high-profile guys. 
Like, oh, yeah. you talk about uh, playing FSU, you know what I'm saying, a- a- along with some of these other teams, and you're going to go get some uh, – you can go get some defensive ends that's gonna give you they, they're gonna bring it. So I'll be I'll be interested to see um uh, Chaplin just the person on the line that I'll be looking for. Then of course I know we talked about it a little bit. I'm always gonna look at my tight ends. You know what I'm saying? I feel like their extension of the line. Oh Gallo no gets a Gallo gets a bad rap, but I think Gallo does his job. He reminds me a lot of uh, you know what, Ryan Mallet. He reminds me a lot of him. Um as far as what he does and what he brings, we've seen him catch a couple of passes and, you know, take them for 20, 30, 40 yards. He's not a burner. He's not going to do anything special in the pass game. But when he can be effective in the pass game, but stay in and keep people off of our running back or our quarterback, it's going to help us win some games. So yeah. he's been there a long time too. You know what I'm saying? So if nothing else, he's got to be a leader to these young guys in the tight end room and on the and on the offensive line because he's lined up beside those tight ends. I mean, beside those tackles and stuff as well. And he's like, "Hey, this guy's showing knuckles. This guy's white knuckle. This guy's this. You got to know what's going. You got to know what's coming." So yep. that is that is a big development of what we'll have on the line as well. So. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so it's gonna be a fun spring game, and believe it or not, boys, we have went over two hours. Oh no, yeah, I don't feel like it. I told you yesterday this thing was gonna be well over two hours. Oh, I know it was. <laughs> I know it was. But I mean, we head to the spring game, it's four games away. Um well four days away, not four games away. Lord have mercy. It tells you how long my day was. It's after eleven thirty. Curtis is going insane. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Two hours back. No, just about an hour. Not, not bad, bed by, most days I'm going to bed by 9 30. Because we're getting old. You're turning 40 in five days, Robbie. Days are a little different story. I have to stay up to listen to listen to the podcast. <laughs> we appreciate it. Boys, you got me all the way through. I fall asleep. Yeah. There's, there's been occasionally, hey, Robbie, you want to hop on? No, I'm, I'm about to go just turn up and go sleep. Because yeah, I'm already into bed. I know. <laughs> Lucky devil. Listen, boys, it's been fun. We have went through a ton of stuff. I, if y'all, anything else y'all want to talk about, bring up. We I mean, for another few hours. We could. We Rob said, is on spring. Rob is on spring break. I gotta go to Rob work. Yeah, he on spring break. <laughs> I gotta go work. I gotta be up five forty. Tally, you do benefit by the hour difference, though. So <laughs> that is yeah, true. You, you got an hour on all of us. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if I was working at home tomorrow, we could go another hour. But I'm gonna wrap it because I want to get some sleep. Yeah, and not go crazy. You're um, a parent. You don't get sleep. I don't get sleep. I don't. Especially, I'm the only, I'm especially the only one, one that wakes up really early every day. And he wakes I'm the only one over here don't have kids. But I still probably go to bed earlier than he I does. know you do, you lucky <laughs> son of a gun. But I get up at 5.30. I have to be at work at 7. There you go. All right. Anything breaking? Uh, just just the Laker hearts here. Uh, well. Don't talk uh, about it. We still got a. We all we got to do is third quarter. We down by ten. We no, got to cut this lead. We got to cut this lead. We got to go into the fourth quarter being down by no more than seven, and we'll win. They got. Like, let's go. look at this. Let's look at this first half. The difference is they made more threes than us. They took more free throws than us. That's the difference. Yep. There you go. So flip it around. Flip yeah. it around. Plus, it's we'll the NBA. They want to make it to the playoffs. We'll be all right. Yeah. Well, boys, 
Let's wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. We thank Coach Robbie Compton and Chamari Connor for joining us tonight. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Taliban's. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerBT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. Also, our newly launched merchandise shop at the Boundary Corner store. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. For all y'all on Twitter tonight watching, we really appreciate it. I was taking a look there. Definitely that was some of our highest numbers. Thank y'all for hanging out with us tonight. Appreciate y'all. Uh, which that means to us. Um, also, subscribe to our YouTube account. All your favorite podcast sources. Brian's going to drop this in the morning if you want to listen again. Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music. As always, we let Jason Long, who uh, Robbie got to see a couple weeks ago, play us in, plays us out. Before well, the spring game, he is going to be at the Roanoke Grandin Village Farmers Market on the 15th. And then on April 22nd, he is going to be there as well. And then way on June 11th, it's called Mango's Bar and Grill. It looks like it's about in the middle of nowhere between Roanoke and Lynchburg. They are doing a Lymphoma Research Foundation fundraiser. Jason will be there as well. Check him out on Spotify. Also, his YouTube account, his Apple Music, and his Facebook. We thank you all for listening and watching us tonight. And as always, let's go. Okay. Okay.